and welcome back to the Everything Must Go podcast. I am Steven, and with me is Brandon, and there's no guests on today's episode, so sorry to let you all down. Well, we are the guests. Mm. Like, you're my guest, I'm yours. That's true. That's how we can frame it. Yeah, okay. So we're not losing the theme of the podcast. Yeah. I mean, well, welcome to the show. Oh, thank, thank you very much. Welcome to the show also, sir. <laughs> I appreciate it. Thank you. It's really back to the, uh, the we're the OGs of the show, let's be honest yeah, here. Yeah, we're we're, uh, we're uh, Jordan and Pippin. Day ones. <laughs> Rider dies. And actually, I'm George Mikan. You're George Mikan, and I'm Michael Jordan. <laughs> <laughs> Perfect. Perfect. A reference. Very few people. If you know who George Mikan is, please let us know in the comments. If you know Tim, you know George Mikan. That's for sure. That that is true. Or at least you've Googled him at some point in time. So uh, obviously, with no guest, we're gonna be doing things a little bit different here today. This is gonna be sort of similar to something that we did, which was called podcast reflections, where we look back on uh, an episode. Except for in the case of doing this episode. We're going to look back on a bunch of the episodes since it's been a while since it was just the two of us doing one of these. And we, every episode after we record it, we pretty much just sit and talk about the episode anyways. Like there's been so much great content that we've learned through these conversations. And we decided that periodically we just want to talk about it. I, I do. I, I want to emphasize that too is I, I feel like the podcast was sort of reinvigorated by this new idea of getting these guests because it's one thing for you and I to sit and have conversations over and over again, maybe about the same things. We know each other's point of view. We know each other's perspectives almost to a T and having these new people on, even hearing their life story, hearing what they're going through, hearing how they balance things. It's, I mean, sometimes it's hard for me to leave the apartment because I'm like, I just have so many thoughts. I want to talk about all this stuff. And so we, I mean, it's appropriate that we're doing an episode where we can just unleash it all. Exactly. So we're going to do this in a way where we pick a topic from each episode and then we're both going to give our thoughts on the topic. So there's quite a bit of topics to get through. So we're not going to be super expansive in each one of them, but we're going to, we're going to give it our, our best, uh, like key highlights and takeaways from them. Absolutely. Starting with probably the most repeated theme in all the episodes up to this point, which is finding a balance. Yeah. Um, when you think of those words and, and just like that overall topic, what goes through your head? So for me, the the takeaway within this, not only with the episode, but just how I applied it to my life is trusting the process of what you're doing. I think for me in the content that I've created, I, I make content for a lot of different platforms and you know, sometimes there's this feeling of like, I always have to be live. I always have to be on Twitch in order to do this, but that's just not a very sustainable uh, way of life. And then you end up feeling so exhausted. I feel like I'm running out of time to do stuff. And so what I've kind of taken away from this discussion of needing the balance, but then also applying it to my life is I'm doing YouTube, TikTok, hover, Twitter for a reason. I'm hoping that those all kind of culminate into creating, um, a life where this stuff is, is real and possible. And so I can't, be like, well, this one thing's showing me all the results right now. I have to put all my eggs in this one basket. I have to trust the process a little bit, not only because I think it's going to work, but also just for my sanity, because it helps keep me balanced. It helps take me away from this thing I might get tunnel visioned on. Yeah. And, and for me, 
the idea of finding a balance is something that I, like you, I would get very obsessive with how I was doing on, on my YouTube channel. And it would kind of take away from me realizing that other aspects of my life I actually really enjoy a lot. And it's those other aspects of my life that feed the creativity into what I do with creating. Without me leaving this apartment, the content that I'm going to produce is not going to be as good. I've talked about time and time again how since the pandemic, I have felt the quality of my channel be worse. E even if I add more bells and whistles, at the end of the day, people care about my channel because I'm able to entertain them with life experiences of things that I've done that maybe they wish that they did or they can learn from the things that I've done. So if I'm not doing those things, then that my content isn't going to be as good. So there, there is a need for a balance, even with just creating the, the better content by actually doing some of these other things. Like I need to go out on dates. I need to try some experiences that I, I haven't done previously. And there might be some times where I don't hang out with someone and I need to take that time to create content as well, because obviously the content is important to me, but I mm -hmm. think for a while I downplayed because I just enjoyed doing content so much. I just only wanted to do the content. But then when I pushed aside so many of the other things, I was just left with the realization that I needed all of those. I needed to do all those things in the first place to be able to create the content. Like they all feed into each other. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that's the, the broader scope of this is really that of, uh, you know, these things you might not see, these things aren't easily quantified. So you might not see that they have an impact on other stuff, but that balance can be important because even the balance can help that one thing that you might typically want to tunnel vision on, especially in your specific case. Like I feel the, the content that you create on the platform that you create, if you're not experiencing things, if you're not living life, you're pulling out of thin air, like, the stuff you're making. It would be like if I was still like going hard on music and all I did was sit in a room, try writing songs. If I'm not out there experiencing things, what am I going to write about? You know what I mean? And I feel like that's for me when I stream, it's a little less uh, of that connection because I'm experiencing things while I'm making the content. But for you, who's got to make a video on topics or storytell, whatever you need to be out there doing this stuff as part of your balance in order to, make something of a quality that even you'll respect. Exactly. And and if you're not happy with, if you, if you don't have a balanced life and you're not happy with what the one aspect that you're putting so much time and effort into, you're going to be absolutely miserable. Like if all I did was YouTube and my YouTube channel wasn't doing that well, how do you think I'm going to feel mm -hmm. if I cut out every other aspect? Not so great. Yeah. The next thing we talked a lot with uh, beard about content analytics. And I think it's something that you and I, have approached differently. I think our brains are wired differently with this stuff. What was your takeaway from, from that show and just that concept? Well, I think that everybody is different with how they approach their analytics. For me, I look at them all the time. I can definitely be borderline obsessive over even just little details. And I think the, the idea of analytics is you can watch them go up and know that you're doing something right. So then when you watch it go down, when you see your numbers go down, you realize that you're doing something wrong or you think that you're doing something wrong. And from the conversation, it's always interesting because you and I have always seen this differently. So there are benefits to being really laser focused on your analytics. Like for example, I'm really competitive. So at times when I see 
my numbers, I will want to get them higher. So I'll really like put in that extra effort to try to hit milestones where I'll, I'll lose a little bit of sleep to try to get to that subscriber number. And I do think that there is a lot of benefit that comes with having that hyper aggressive personality on reaching your goals. However, I think that with that comes a need to relax a little bit when the numbers are not where you want them to be. And I have a tendency to still be stressed out and still like panic. And the truth is you are not in control of your analytics. You think that you're in control of your analytics. You're, you are in control of the output of your analytics. You can put out more videos. You can create a better video. You can do those types of things, but you cannot physically tell YouTube to show your video to a certain number of people. So the parts that you can't control, you have to find a way to not let that consume you. And, and for me, I really find myself liking hearing other people's points of view on it because I still think that this is something that I struggle with and I'm self-aware of that. And it's something I want to like improve upon myself as I move forward. I want to keep the aggressive side of me and that competitiveness to want to push myself in the numbers because the numbers do matter because if you want to do this type of thing in a way where you're you're successfully reaching your goals you do have to care about your analytics but having a healthy relationship with your analytics is something that i definitely think i i can gain a lot from with these types of conversations with creators who are less focused on that type of thing and maybe aren't as competitive as me right well and i think what you're saying is a good segue into my takeaway and i think also is going to be a theme uh, throughout even this episode, uh, just different versions of the same thing. And, and what, what I mean by that is you got to kind of find a balance in this too. The way I put it is you got to toe a line between, you know, objective analysis so that you're making quantified decisions, objective decisions. Like you're, you're looking at, I did this much on this and I got this result on this was this the payoff that I was hoping for? You can set your goals that way. And I think that uh, it's helped me um, start to develop a little bit of uh, an organized approach and uh, prioritization that just keeps me focused, keeps me not feeling like I'm just winging it and hoping that something happens. But then there's also the, again, that line that you're towing is you can't get so tunnel vision on that that you forget what you're doing this for. What you're doing this for is you love it. You, you love creating. And that's why it's easy to wing it because you're just having a good time. Like for me, I could, if, if nothing mattered at all, like if I could just live life without having to pay any bills and just whatever, I could stream nonstop and it'd be fine. Mm-hmm. I mean, obviously I would need to do other stuff, but I'm just saying like in terms of- No, nonstop. Yeah, nonstop. <laughs> yep. No, I wouldn't eat. I wouldn't sleep. I wouldn't talk to anybody else. No, I. but I'm saying it, you- if I didn't have these uh, responsibilities or obligations to be able to survive in uh, the society, like just doing things for the love of it, yeah, like the, I, this would be the thing I'm just doing. But that's not the reality. And so I do have to have a little bit of that function of, okay, how can this exist in this society? How can this exist with me trying to survive with this? But how can I also maintain that love, maintain the foundation of what brought me here in the first place? Cause I don't want to get lost in either or. Yeah. For better or for worse, even 
when you put in the time and effort into your videos or into your content creation process, there is not a direct correlation necessarily to putting in more time into it and then getting better results from the, the analytics. And I feel like growing up, you're always taught that hard work pays off. And while it definitely does in content, you have to find a way to navigate those times where you're putting in a lot of effort. Just This just goes for life in general. But when you really start looking at your, your analytics, you realize, and I, I realize, some of my videos I put almost no time into in comparison to other videos I put so much time into has no correlation on the views on the video, oftentimes. And it frustrates me, and you just have to roll with it. it, it you can't make... It, it, it is not, uh, there, there's not like a direct correlation. Sometimes you just come up with a killer idea quickly execute. I mean, the same thing goes for songs. I mean, you hear all the time about yes. people who write songs really quickly and ends up being a big hit. And then other songs, they probably spend forever on it and it just doesn't do anything. And I can tell you as a songwriter, <laughs> like the ones that might take a long time, they feel really re rewarding because I had to work hard to make that thing happen. Mm -hmm. But maybe it, it took a long time because it wasn't this natural flow and it just, it didn't just roll off the tongue. And so people don't connect to it as easily. Cause it's not just a tap into whatever the magic of the emotion, capturing the emotion quickly happens. And then I'll, I'll write a song in 30 minutes or something. And it's like, Oh my God, this is your best. Song. I remember for my album surprise is probably my least favorite song. I wrote that song because I was like, I'm missing one song on my album. I've got a, I've got a week to write this and what, what kind of theme am I missing? So I was like searching kind of what I wanted to talk about the like surprise of life and being appreciative of that was what came to mind. And then I just whipped that up. I think that song took a day and there were other songs on that album that I like rewrote from years ago. You yeah. know, it was crazy but some people say that that's their favorite song on my album and i'm just like that's my least favorite what are you talking about well yeah that that's the truth too is that if you just look at uh your numbers you might also not create something that you would have created otherwise sometimes mm -hmm. you just have to create something that just feels right in the moment and not even think about the numbers because that might end up being the biggest thing if you try to manipulate the system to try and create this perfect video that's going to get picked up in the algorithm my most viewed video i made when I, I, I didn't think I was gonna be able to make a video that week. And I'd been consistent already with the one video a week. It was very early on in my one video a week. And it was, tw I think it was midnight on a weekday night. And I said, I don't, nope, I have to do this because I don't want to screw up getting one video out. And the only thing I could think to talk about was Chicago. And I just made that video and ended up being my most viewed video. Still don't understand why that's the one, right? but it just probably came off real natural. Yeah. So it, it worked. Well, and I think to go back to one specific thing that you talked about is, you know, putting a bunch of time in to something, you know, we, we might grow up thinking that, oh, that's hard work. You just put a bunch of really hard work into something. But I think the next point that we wanted to touch on, which this can lead to is burnout. Mm -hmm. If you're just working as hard as you can on something without maybe working smarter or paying attention to these little details, it can definitely lead to that. So what's your takeaway from kind of what we discussed uh, on the idea of burning out with this stuff. So here's what I've learned about burnout through content creation. I'm not a full time, I'm not a full time content creator, but I can tell you that over the course of a week, I have a certain amount of energy 
that I have total. It's almost like you could quantify it. And over the course of that week, that's it. (laughs) No matter what I do. So if I think staying up really late to get all this extra work done is going to mean that, nope, this is the week I'm going to exceed my ceiling. And I'm not even saying that there aren't some weeks where you can work a little harder. Absolutely the case. I just think that in the end, it's all going to kind of balance each other out. Because Mm -hmm. if you work so hard one week where you're working like 120 hours between your full-time job, content creation, everything else, eventually you are going to burn out. Whether it's the next week or the week after that, it is eventually going to happen. And there's been, the more I have done this stuff, the more I've just realized that when I'm feeling kind of tired, as long as I don't absolutely need to get something out the next day, which I never really need to because I'm not a full-time content creator, it's okay to just go to bed, get an adequate amount of sleep, wake up the next day and be refreshed. Trying to stay up an extra two hours, the next day I'm going to wake up and feel terrible and my productivity is going to be worse anyways. So there are times where it is worth pushing yourself, but in the end, you only have a certain amount of energy and it will bite you one way or another if you just don't treat yourself well in one way with healthy habits and there's been very little exception to that at this point i pretty much know when my week starts if i'm it's at some point over the course of that week if i'm gonna fry out based on like how that week is trending if it's like well i've been going to bed kind of late the last two nights i can just tell i'm gonna crash tomorrow and i can literally i wake up and i'm like this is the crash day (laughs) i can tell almost the moment i wake up what about you that well i just want to say really quick that that's one of my favorite uh, pieces of advice you've ever given me is it's going to eventually balance out. Like it's, it's gonna, that thing that you might've pushed down or whatever, it's going to pop up somewhere. And I think an example of it is sometimes I'll get in this place where I'm like, I'm just going to do all the work in one sitting. I'm going to do all of it right here. Just this burst of energy, whatever. And I might create in, in the terms of content creation, I might create something beautiful in that thing. But in the terms of like the sustainability of that, for instance, I did a 24 hour stream. I think my streams the rest of the week kind of sucked <laughs> because my brain was fried and I just, I don't think I brought the same energy because I was so exhausted from the 24 hour stream. Now I did that because of an event and I think sometimes you can do that stuff, mm-hmm. but I think always approaching it, like I just got to go all the time, all out. I think it ends up impacting you in ways that maybe you don't see because you're just go, go, go. But I think there you can you can you can feel it in uh the analysis of it i'm gonna be checking my phone too i just want to say i'm not like looking at texts i put my my takeaways down on a notepad so so bear with me here um okay yeah so for me my takeaway with this burnout stuff is if you're doing something that doesn't allow you the space to uh decompress i my my point of view is you either need to readjust your approach to like how hard you're working or what steps you're taking to do it. Or maybe you need to ask yourself the hard question of like, is this the path for you? I think of when I was discussing or when I was pursuing being a musician, one of the things I had to ask myself is, would I be okay with being a traveling musician? We've talked about this. And I think I would have been okay with it, especially if I was single. But I do wonder in the times where like, if I had met somebody and we wanted to start a family, you know, would that life, you know, putting all this time into this one thing, how would that life feel for me? Would I feel okay? Or would that, would 
the thing that I love be now a cause for burnout because I, it's taking me away from other stuff that is important to me. And so having those difficult conversations with yourself and finding a way to uh, set up uh, your scheduling or whatever, um, again, in a balanced manner that allows you to take care of the, the necessities in your life that you need to take care of. So that one thing, even if that one thing is a thing you love more than anything, doesn't turn into something that causes you the most strain. Yeah. We live in a time where hustle culture is definitely pushed on us a lot. Mm -hmm. And I think that people actually think that means they should just never shut it off. And, and every single second of their day should be productivity, productivity, work a hundred hours a week. And it's literally, not, I am in most people in my life can attest to this. I'm an extremely high energy person. I can work a lot, no matter what you're going to burn out. It doesn't matter what you do. It is just going to happen. And that's why understanding yourself well enough to know what will make you the most optimal over the course of the week. Just realizing sometimes it's okay to go to bed. Even if you think that working that extra little bit's going to help, it may not. It may actually be uh, counterintuitive to what you're trying to do, which has happened plenty of times to me where I'm like, I wish I, because I obviously to come to this conclusion, I had to do it wrong a few times. I, I, eventually I just started connecting the dots like, Oh yeah. Whenever I do these things, I always eventually crash and burn. And at least you can, you can better anticipate it if you're trying to get ahead of it. So yeah, that's been my thought. The next thing is just overthinking things and how actually we've done a whole, we actually did a whole episode uh, on uh, not overthinking things. Back, I don't even. When was that? That was. A I was really in long, Rochester, I think. That was a really long time ago. But yeah, the idea that sometimes is to your benefit to just not not overcomplicate something. So what what do you think about this one? Well, so the specific, I think this uh, topic of discussion specifically comes uh, from the episode with Jess, uh, where you know we were talking about her starting making like YouTube videos or something because mm -hmm. she's wanted to do it. And we've talked to a lot of people about this before of, of the, just, just do it, see what happens. But I think specifically what I want to say about that, of the overthinking it is if you can find solace in the idea that you're going to get better when you like practice makes perfect people say, right. When you just create something and put it out there, you're going to refine that thing. But if you just never do it, it's going to sit there in this perfectionist mindset of, oh, I need it to be perfect and stuff, but you're not doing it. So how are you going to refine it? How are you going to get better? So just start doing stuff, throwing it out there, see what happens. And if you're anything like us, you'll look back on early stuff that you did and you're like, wow, I've gotten way better in comparison. We listened to our old episodes of this show and we're like, oh, this is cringy. Yeah, don't listen to them. It's so bad. <laughs> don't listen to like until episode like 50. Yeah, but I remember back then we were like, you know, we, had, we got something here. I think the yeah. us now would be like, no, you guys should stop doing the podcast. <laughs> but we wouldn't be where we are now had we not just done it. Had we not just put it out there and then been like, how can we get better at this? So that's what I'm thinking. Don't, that part of it is I can't tell you what to think or tell you to control your thoughts. But when it comes to that that part of you that might be overthinking, find that that line above that that's, yeah, but if I just do it, if I don't let these thoughts control me here, my actions, I can just do it. I'm going to get better at this thing. And that perfectionist in me is going to calm down a little bit. 
simple can be better when you're a kid you just do what is in front of you you don't you don't overthink things you just kind of react to the world around you and i think when you're adults you get all this additional information and you make everything more complicated because you weigh all the pros and cons and what these people might say if you do this or you think about money it, there's so many more details that come into your mind that you have a tendency to get cloudy in anything that you do. And then this perfectionist mindset is what people use as almost an excuse oftentimes to just not get started with something. And I think all the time about how with YouTube, I had a very difficult time ever putting myself on the internet because I didn't want people to have criticisms of me and I didn't see my, I saw myself as maybe an artistic person in a sense, but not somebody who knew anything about cameras and any of that kind of stuff. So I actually didn't overthink making a video about Disney because someone, I think somebody probably said, Hey, you, you should make a video about Disney. Or maybe it was just the fact that when I was working in Disney, I saw a lot of people make videos about Disney and I was like, Oh, I can do that. Maybe, maybe even better than, than they do it. So I, I didn't overthink that and just recorded and made a video and that's just a big part of how I got started making content. And sometimes it is something that simple. We, ha we think that we have to do the most perfect thing. I didn't know if I was gonna become a Disney channel. I wasn't even thinking about becoming a Disney only content channel or what my niche was. I just put that out there. And then later on, as I started making videos, I definitely did start to overcomplicate things a lot, trying all kinds of things, making multiple different channels, thinking maybe I'm a reactionary guy, maybe I'm a, maybe I'm a comedy guy, all these different ideas I've tried out. And that is part of the process. You do need to trial and error the content mm -hmm. creation process, but sometimes what's working might be simple and that's just okay. You don't have to, if it's working and you enjoy doing it, fine, just do that. That, that can be it. Yeah, the simplifying <laughs> part of it is, I think, one thing we struggle with because we want to, we spend so much time trying to be better and, and trying to analyze what we're doing in things and how can we pick and prod to make this, you know, the, the greatest creation we've ever done. And then it's like, maybe we're making this a little too complicated. Maybe we sim simplify it a little bit, we'll be just fine. And I do think that, you know, back to your point about the video that's most successful for you, you were just like, I just got to get a video in. I know Chicago, so let's do it. Like, yeah. it was just so simple. It just came. And then it was like, holy crap, maybe that's, maybe that's even my niche now. I don't yeah. know. We'll, we'll find out. <laughs> exactly. And then I just started rolling with that. And that's, I think that's a lot of times how things happen. Like Gary V, classic example of somebody who just, he worked at a wine business. Then he made a YouTube channel just talking about wine because he knew a lot about wine. And now he's this super well-known content creator and business owner. And I guarantee you when he first made that video about wine, he had no idea that eventually he would be well-known on this app called TikTok all those years later or all the other things he went out to do. Mm -hmm. Even if you want to do something that's super grandiose, it starts with just a simple idea. Yep. Absolutely. I, I really want to talk about this one here because I see your note. The, those of you that are listening, uh, we've got little notes to help us, you know, just remember our thoughts. And I'm really curious what this is going to lead to. So the next one, um, I think it really comes from a lot of uh, the discussion with these people that I, I play with on Twitch because there's a kind of built-in networking system there. So the importance of networking, what is your perception of that? When I first started creating content, 
in when I lived in Chicago, I really didn't think too much about the social aspect of content creation. I just thought about making a video, putting it on the internet, and then hoping some people would watch it. But over time, I would hear people talk about the networking aspect. I'd see collaborations, and I tried a few different times meeting up with people, trying to get them to be a part of my uh, content. And it took a long time. Just, just as a side note, it's really hard to find people to collaborate with who you, who, at least in my experience, who I really trust and enjoy working with them and, and everything else with it. But over time, it has really occurred to me that to be successful in content creation, most people have had some sort of a network of people that they, they can go to. And I, I write as a note here, like it doesn't always have to be your best friend. It's just somebody who you, you can work alongside. And that's, that's the truth is even if you don't, you're not best friends with someone, most people who do some type of content creation, I try to find something about their work that I respect. And I mm -hmm. feel like I can gain something from as I said, like they don't have to be your best friend, but they might be really good at video editing and there might be something to learn from it. And I think early on, I used to feel maybe a little bit icky, like, well, I don't even know if I would, would want to hang out with them, but I do actually think they're really good at this, but that's actually completely fine. And not everyone in your head uh, plays a role in your life where they have to be your best friend, but they might be able to teach you something very valuable. And that's actually been a lot of what's happened. I've absolutely made a network of people that I have made as actual friends too. But there are also people who I just really enjoy doing collaborations of some kind with them because I respect something that they do as a content creator. And I think that you have to have an open mind on your network. And if you really want to be successful at this type of stuff, it's good to network with people who are good at the things that you're not so good at. Yeah, and I think there's also, just in the same way that we're getting guests on the show, um, there's different perspectives. Like, you don't have to be the closest person to someone to hear you know, their point of view on something and just make you think a little different. Might make you approach things a way that a light bulb goes off and, and you, you do the next whatever just with a different step and it makes it a little easier for you or you feel better about it. I, I think that's important. I, and I think if you try to do all of this all alone, um, even from a growth standpoint, I think that can be harder, but also just from a creative standpoint, I think it, it's tough to make everything up on your own. I think some of the greatest creations come out of inspiration and that inspiration doesn't need to be like, I heard a song that song made me think of this thing, whatever it can literally be. I know another Twitch streamer, this Twitch streamer does this thing differently than I do. And maybe I need to start approaching it in a different manner. Maybe I've been looking at this the wrong way. So that can, that's, that's one of my thought processes on this. Um, also I do think, I do think that I have a hard, we both have a hard time with collaboration in the sense that we have a, we have vision with our creations. We have some specifics that we want to establish and whatever it is we create. So collaboration can be challenging because we want control over that final product, how it's conveyed. You know, I think part of what makes us good communicators is the care we put into how we articulate ourselves, how we portray our feelings or our thoughts. Um, and when other people are involved, I, I find myself sometimes being frustrated that it doesn't get conveyed the way that I think it should be communicated to an audience or whatever. 
Um, however, I do think you also have a chance of in collaborative spaces, people bringing something out of you that maybe you wouldn't have just brought out of yourself. I think that our, our, our collaboration, you know, on this podcast has been a huge proof of that before this podcast, you know, other than me trying to do a band, I didn't have anybody that I felt like, um, I could count on as much as you, and we could have these kinds of conversations, but you, you had the idea for the podcast, you know? And then we talked about it being a comedy podcast, but I think my idea was make it more serious. And so like, we brought these different things out of each other that maybe we wouldn't have, have otherwise. And I think about that with my streaming too. Like I stream with these other people who, you know, even if they're not the funniest person, maybe they unintentionally set me up to be funnier. You know, like I think that happens. I think sometimes they say something and just the way that I respond and then the way they react to my response. Like, uh, I don't know if you guys have ever seen the movie finding Neverland, but, um, the person who wrote Peter Pan, I don't know if it's, I don't know how true the story is, but in the movie, um, he's been having troubles with his plays. Like they haven't been doing very well. And he writes this, he writes the story of Peter Pan and he starts out when the, when the play goes, he's got a bunch of these old like critics, people that are just like really pretentious. They're watching Peter Pan and they're just like, Oh, this already, this play sucks. What he did was he brought kids in from an orphanage to sit in the, in the auditorium and they loved it because it was a story for kids. And so they would laugh. And then when they laughed, the the older pretentious people realized they were looking at it through the this lens of it in a pretentious manner. And so the kids laughter like opened them up. So that's what I'm saying is like the collaboration. Maybe I make a joke that a person I'm playing with laughs hard enough at that maybe it wasn't that funny of a joke, but they found it so funny that an audience member is now like, Oh my God, I'm, I'm having so much fun with how much fun these two are having. And I, not to be redundant, but I also think that's one of the parts that I find special about our podcast is like people I think can vicariously live through our friendship in some ways, you know? And so that collaboration can create something beautiful that maybe you couldn't capture on your own as much as you want to control the creation as much as possible. Maybe you, there are some aspects that you can't quite cultivate in an isolated situation and to sort of hammer that your point home too is i would have never taken a step up in my opinion at content creation if you and i never started the podcast in the first place but just if i feel like anyone that you can get in your life who you 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 trust as a as a creative partner mm-hmm. um that you that you enjoy working with like they that will help you because you will be pushed to the next level in ways that you don't always realize in the very beginning. Like it was through this podcast that at first it was, I'm able to articulate my thoughts, but then it was just able to bring out things in me. As you said, that I never knew that I was ever going to do or, or even, even be, it made me even more confident in taking more chances on my YouTube channel because I think in the beginning I would, I was a little bit more cautious. And then as time has gone on, I do some like bolder things like vlogging. I think that you are one of the reasons why I was like, I think I can do vlog because Mm -hmm. before I don't want to just go walk around by myself. And 
I don't know. I think it gave me the confidence to be like, hey, does anyone want to vlog with me? Mm-hmm. And I, I really enjoyed it. And I think that you, you need to have a network of people who push you. Absolutely. Okay. So now with the kind of uh, another thing that has pretty much happened in every single episode. That, that, that's actually really the, the truth behind a lot of these topics is when we've talked to all of the, these creators and creatives, there's, you realize just how similar everybody mm-hmm. is with the things that they're, they're trying to overcome. So this, right. this next thing, like just doing things for the love of doing them. What, what do you think about with this one? So I, I think when it, when it comes to doing things for the, the love of it, I do think you have to have my takeaway in this or my, I guess the way I've absorbed this is uh, kind of setting up reminders for myself that this is a passion um, because it's a passion and I want to do it like for a living, for instance, it can sometimes creep up on you and become an obligation. It can kind of become this thing. It's like, it's no longer fun anymore. Now it's just, Oh, I got to get hit those numbers or I have to be doing this. Otherwise I can't, you know, I can't say that I was successful at all. And it's to a certain point, I'm just like, yeah, but you started this cause you love this thing, you know? And I have to remind myself of that sometimes. Like sometimes it's just a conversation with myself of, you know, if you break it down to its simplest form, I just have a good time with this. Like it makes me happy. It's a catharsis. It's, um, capturing moments that I feel are, are, uh, beautiful and unique and, um, they represent me and who I am in, in a lot of different ways. And I think that, um, that's what makes it special. Like, sure. I want to, it would be awesome to sit here years from now and be like, we made it dude. Like I, this is my job. It would be, it would be an amazing conversation to have. And I would love to have that conversation, but I think an even more beautiful part of it is just like, I found something I love to do. I, 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 like I have, I, one of the things I struggle with throughout this whole process of me, you know, doing music, getting back into music, you know, stopping music, getting back into music, doing psychology, stopping psychology, uh, doing skip video, like all this stuff. I have a lot of interests. Um, but then finding the streaming thing, for instance, it just was like, I, I, I really wanted to be like, I wanted to find my football of like Tom Brady's football, you know, mm-hmm. something that he was so passionate about. It's like, yeah, it's, it, of course he's playing as long as he is because he loves the game and he's also as good as he is because of his love for the game. And I'm just like, that's, I, I wanted to find that for so long. And now that I found that I don't want to squander that love. You know, I want to push myself to be as good as I can be, but I can, I also want to be grateful of the fact that I found that thing. Cause not everybody does and not everybody seeks it either. You know, some people are just like, well, that's just not what you, you don't just look for things that you love. You just do what you do to pay the bills or you work your way up in this. And that's fine. That's a, that's a completely viable way of life. I'm not, I'm not bashing that at all, but because of the way that I approach life, I'm appreciative that I found that and I don't want to lose sight of that. But what is your take? Yeah. Mine is that authenticity wins. If you stay true to what it is that you enjoy doing, then it won't feel like work and it will, it will come out natural. You will be successful at it. You don't have to go to this sort of made up thing of, well, the audience seems to want this thing. So if I just keep giving them what they want, 
then uh, I'll be successful at this. Because if you just keep giving the audience what you think that they want over and over again, eventually you're going to lose track of who you are and what is exactly that, that you're doing at that point. My, my personal example on this was continuously making all my videos centered around Chicago because, well, this is a thing that a lot of people like when I talk about. And I do think that at first it, it was authentic. Like, I think that that is what I wanted to make content about because I was really proud of, of moving to the city and, and making my own life there. And it was, it was a point of pride for me. But then over time, after you make the same type of content over and over again and people, people enjoy it, after a while, I started to have different feelings about Chicago and I also had to start to have different interests and other things I wanted to talk about. But I also was thinking about the numbers and, and everything else. And I just think that if you stick to what it is that you love, even if what you love changes over time, I mean, not everybody gets to be Tom Brady where football gets to last for 22 years. A lot of people have to reinvent themselves with within something else because it's just not working anymore. And I think you kind of just have to, you have to go with what is natural and stay true to what it is that you are feeling in that moment. Even if it's not exactly what your audience is looking for, you don't want to alienate everything too much because that's also, there's an importance to keeping an audience and things like that. But in the end, it's probably worth losing your entire audience over. If you have to be fake every single day in your life, at least for me, maybe not for everybody, but there in life, if you do, I just think in life, it, it is practical. If you do the right thing, then eventually you're more likely to get the right results. Like it, it just, it seems to be, that's the case. And if the, with that in mind, I just think that if you stick to your guns on everything that you do, you're going to have positive results and it's going to come across as, as more genuine. Like you, the things that you care about and you're passionate about, you're going to be more successful at those things because it comes across as natural. Like having, if you have a job where it's really painful to have to, to work after the nine to five, like you're working six, seven, eight, nine, like it's super painful. It's probably because you don't love what it is that you do because there's been times before with uh, my, YouTube videos where I don't even realize, like, oh, wow, I've been editing for like five hours and I didn't even notice it. And I don't even, editing isn't even my favorite part about videos. I just am passionate about creation. I just love to create. And those are the types of things that I, I know you can't, you can't have it all in life. You got to make some, you, you kind of have to roll within the structure of society. But if you, if you overall stay true, I think it's probably going to win out in the end. I, we didn't do this intentionally, but I feel like this, this, your points to this um, are a really good segue into the next thing. Uh, uh, you can't really have it all the way that you want it, and you oh, might yeah. need to <laughs> kind of uh, hone it in a, to a certain extent. So the next point is finding your niche, and I want to hear because you've yes. gone through this a bunch. What are your thoughts on this? Yeah, so it, when it comes to if you just focus on content creation, to get started, you just have to do something. And I think that's a lot of what life is. You may not know exactly what you want to do with your life. You might have a basic concept. You want to change the world. Like maybe something that's sort of broad. But this this huge grandiose idea needs to start. Like what, what is it? A, a journey begins with a single step. Or there's mm -hmm. some expression like yeah, that. Yeah. It is absolutely true. This huge destination of yours is not going to happen. Probably even close to the way that you think it is. Like I. It, the, the path to get there is going to be so many twists and turns and wherever you think you're going to be in five years, is probably going to look nothing like where you actually are in five years. And that is not at all a bad thing. It's just 
realistic to how life is. You're constantly adapting and different things are happening and you just have to, to go with that. So when you get started, just don't overthink it. Just put out some content, do something. And the natural process of it will sort of piece together. You'll realize that people like this type of content that you're doing. And then you start doing a little bit of that more. Understandably, it gets complicated sometimes because you, you are, once you have an audience that has some level of expectations, you can get caught up in trying to meet those expectations. But allow the niche to be created naturally and don't, don't overcomplicate it. If you really like, like if you really like baseball, it's okay to just start making videos about baseball. If you really like cooking, try making videos about cooking. Trial and error that process out. Maybe you think you're really going to like something and then you're going to end up hating it anyways. But in the end, I can say without a doubt that if you can't come up with a niche of some kind, social media will help you out. That is where you, you will be helped. Do I believe that it has to be the most fine-tuned niche? Absolutely not. If you think about Mr. Beast, literally the most successful YouTuber right now, does he have a niche per se? Kind of, but not really. He kind of just does, he just kind of just makes entertaining videos. So it doesn't have to be something so specific. Like we talked about with Josh, he makes videos about trumpets. That's like so specific. And trumpet mutes, which is even like more specific within the niche. You don't have to get that specific. You absolutely can. And you'll be surprised how big the audience is of something that you think there's not going to be a big audience. There absolutely can be a very big audience, but it's just creating content in a way where people can understand what it is that you're doing to be truly successful with this stuff. You have to be, there's a lot of factors that go into it, but you need to come up with a way to package your content in a way that feels understandable. And that's why, a niche is a really easy way to do that. Yeah, I think uh, there there is that uh, beginning portion uh, within this developing of a niche where, again, you can't be too much of a perfectionist to where you have to have your niche figured out before you even start doing stuff. Um, you know, I think sometimes just doing stuff to do stuff can get you out there and get you... Uh, to figure more things out. And then, you know, to touch on more of what you said is there might be a natural progression into a niche of, you know, you start making videos on, on, on cooking and then it's like, oh, well, I specifically like, a, you know, doing pasta stuff. I like doing Italian food, um, you know, and then maybe that becomes an even more specific niche that you, you hone in on to set yourself apart from other cooking channels or whatever you want to establish your audience with. Um, but you don't need to go into it, like having that figured out. I think that's important. Um, but I do think that my, so my perception of this depends on your goals. If your goal is just to create for the sake of creating, you don't give a shit about like being successful, uh, in terms of having an audience, like you just make videos to make videos. I don't think this point really matters to you. I don't think you need to find a niche in order to just make videos. If you want to make videos, just do your thing. But if you're a person who's on a pursuit where you might need to establish an audience in order to make money off of content creation, in order to grow a community, in order to, um, 
become more consistent or establish yourself within something specifically, um, I think finding a niche, niche can be one of the most important things. Now, I think that niche needs to be something that you still like and enjoy um, because you don't want to go on one end of the thing where you're caught in this niche because it got numbers and you didn't even like doing that but now you feel obligated again, I don't want, you don't want it to become an obligation. So now you feel stuck in this thing that you're like, damn it. I didn't, I didn't really want to make videos about, uh, hang gliding, but I made one and it did so well that now I'm, I'm an, I'm a hang gliding YouTube channel. You know, you don't want to get caught in that. Um, but there can be a, a, a solid middle ground where it's like, you know, I have a passion for, for instance, for, for me, I like the game hunt showdown. Um, when I first started doing Twitch, my thought process was I'm going to be a complete variety channel. I'm going to do a bunch of different kinds of streams. And I do that a tiny bit, but I've way more come to grips with the idea of centering a lot of my stuff around this game, because I think it does a really good job of setting up good content for me, showing my personality. I think it does you know, it has an audience of people that are growing, but also an audience that I think likes people like me, like the demographic hits for me. And so when I think about exposure and growth, which is important to me, I'm marrying those two worlds of something that I do enjoy and something that I think can help me make this a reality. And, you know, when it comes down to it, in a lot of ways, the bigger thing that I am passionate about is streaming and entertaining people. So like I could, I could do Legos on stream. And if that was my thing, if that was my niche, I would be fine with it. Um, like I'd be cool with it and stuff. So I think if you have that, that foundational thing that you enjoy doing, it makes it a lot easier to maybe put yourself in a niche. You know, like you like making videos. So, you know, maybe you want to make videos and anything and everything, storytelling or whatever. But in general, you enjoy being in front of the camera. You enjoy, uh, you know, storytelling, whatever. So if you have to at points, just tell stories about Chicago. If you're enjoying the experiences you're getting, you're doing those things, it's a little easier to settle in that niche. And then I also think this isn't per this isn't entirely permanent where you know if you establish an audience and people people might come to you for that niche and then stay for who you are as a person you have a little bit more freedom sometimes it might not feel that way but you might have a little more freedom for at least a portion of your audience to branch out and do other things because you have established yourself within you know i think about like dr disrespect or shroud like they really got big from PUBG. You think they play that anymore? No, that game's dead, you know? Like they can move within, you know, whatever game they really want to because now their audiences are so established that, you know, Shroud will play World of Warcraft and people will go watch. That's actually a good point that once you, if you can get big within a niche, at some point you can probably probably branch out and do something else if people enjoy you as a person yeah i mean you might lose the there are going to be especially if you i think there's a threshold Mm -hmm. right like if you're if you're still small and people came to you for that niche 
and didn't necessarily stay for you. It's just like you were the avenue with which they found this one particular niche and they stuck with you for that niche. You might lose some people and you might feel the pressure of, I have to stay with this niche to keep growing. But I think there's a threshold of like, you meet a certain point. I think enough of your audience is there for you. And it doesn't necessarily matter what that niche was as long as they have you. I also think that um, you're going to have a big portion. I mean, this is somewhat redundant, but like my hope is that I'm entertaining myself, but I'm just another content creator. So why does anyone want to pay attention to me? Well, my hope is that the niche that I'm in will get people to me. They'll be entertained by me and stay because they're entertained by me in that thing. And then I can go do another thing, but I'm still the entertaining me, entertaining me. So they're like, I, you know, I don't really care what he does. Like I have a great time watching him do whatever he's doing. Yeah. I mean, that's actually one of the best feelings when you get to the point where you've actually converted someone from being the person who just looked for the niche that you were part of. Mm -hmm. But then they, because we, we've had this happen before where, they came to one of our things and then they went to the podcast and mm -hmm. that's always a really cool feeling to see yeah. that, that person. And that's why the niche is a good way to sort of gather the, the audience. And then it's all about what can you do from there? Are you, are you the, the person who they want to stick bus, uh, not stick beside, but sort of follow on the rest of the journey. Yeah. Um, this next one, I think we've struggled with a lot throughout the course of um, not just, content creation, but I think our lives in general, I think this is maybe part of our conditioning. One of the things that I think ties us together in yep. similarity. Um, and that's sort of, you know, paying your dues and the idea that you can do that with things that you enjoy. It doesn't always need to be so painful. And I want to hear your takeaway or your thoughts on that idea. Yeah, I, I come from a background of a lot of hardworking men who definitely put the, the value of hard work, pay your dues. That was pretty embedded into me since day one. But the part that was not as much discussed was, so is this supposed to be a traumatizing, horrible experience, and then one day it just isn't? Yeah. Because that's sometimes what it feels like it is. And you and I had some conversations around this really since we were friends, I feel like in the very beginning of us ever being friends, realizing that there was some commonality and that there's probably a lot of people out there who feel that this is what life just is. You, you work. And then as you work harder, life becomes easier. And while I do think that there, there actually is some truth to it. When you, you get better at something, it does become easier. However, the biggest lesson to me that has been learned in this process is while you are paying the dues, you cannot just be miserable. If the dues are so painful, when you wake up, you just tell yourself, well, I know life sucks, but at some point, hopefully it doesn't. You can't control when it doesn't. You could try as hard as you can, but life just happens and life goes on whether you're happy or you're sad. So if every day of your life you spend being unhappy, it's probably going to get to you because you don't know when that's going to change. And I think that 
this process and any other process within content creation or any other aspect of my life, it has been very eye-opening in my realization that I have to, one, as we talked about in the beginning, have a level of a balance where I'm not just putting all of my eggs into one basket that I'm doing and just saying that, let me just focus on this thing and be miserable until it's better. You need lots of things in your life to give you a level of balance so that while you're paying your dues, when it sucks, you still got other things to fall fall back onto in your life, like other things that you enjoy. Even if it's a, a simple thing like playing a video game or uh, hanging out with a friend, those types of things have a, a lot of value and a lot of weight in your life. Really, the best, the best quote that I ever got actually came from, well, this might be bold to say the best quote I ever got, but one of the most impactful quotes, because my dad sent this to me during one of the worst like times of my life, I was I, I was uh, really down in the dumps, and he sent me this thing that said, uh, "Learn to be happy with what you have while you pursue all that you want." And I think I have that right. I might be paraphrasing it slightly, but I love this phrase because I think it is one of the best approaches to life. It comes back to something we've talked about on the show before. Life is not about destinations; it's about checkpoints. Maybe there is an ultimate goal that you want to get to. But let's be honest, even if you hit that ultimate goal, you're going to have to develop some new goals because you, you're always going to want to strive for better. But you have to enjoy each checkpoint along the way as you get closer and closer to bigger and bigger dreams. And I think that you, you just, you have to be happy in the moment. That quote is a huge part of what I wanted to say on this because I think people can tend to be very habitual you know, we, we, we sort of set precedence for ourselves for how we're going to be with things. And I think if you are, if the paying your dues is this thing where during the pursuit of whatever you're doing, you're wishing your life is going to be different one day. You're just hoping that it, it pans out. And, and this might be a little bit of a privileged perspective because there are probably some cases where life is so miserable that it's tough to just, oh, I'm so grateful for how shitty my life is. But in in a, a different context, in situations where maybe um, you are trying to pursue things that you love, I think if you get in the habit of wishing your life is going to be different, I worry, one of the things I worry about is when I finally do get the thing I think I want, am I going to be so used to wishing my life is different that I'm still not going to appreciate this thing that I thought that I wanted. Like, is that checkpoint, not destination, is that checkpoint not going to be as good because I'm so used to thinking there's another checkpoint to get to and I can't enjoy the one that I'm at. Like, I think about this sometimes of how, how do I appreciate what I have in front of me as much as I can and, I, and get used to appreciating what I have so that when I do get something that I think logically would be better for me, I'm, I know how to appreciate it and I know how to love it and be like, soak it in and live presently within it. Like I want to practice that mentality so that it, it, it hits hard. Um, I also want to say like this point for me specifically can come from the, the episode with I am ghost owl. Cause we talked about it after the episode was over and my biggest takeaway was I get really tunnel visioned on things. And I think the problem I have in a lot of ways is I've set my life up 
where I'm too heavily weighted on both sides of the spectrum of doing what I enjoy or like pursuing something. So on this left side, I have these obligations and specifically the, the obligations that I have right now, like my work, my job, I, I don't like at all. Like there's no part of it that I enjoy throughout the day. It's, it, it literally is just an object to, to pay the bills. Maybe this is something where I do need to learn how to just appreciate this job, but maybe it's also, I I, there is a job out there that I can get that will allow me to appreciate it. So I'm not so heavily weighted on. I hate this and I love streaming. So I'm going to put all my eggs in the basket of streaming while I'm hating this along the way. And now my life is miserable because I can't find this happy medium. Um, so I think about that because when he talked about his life, it was like everything that he had set up schedule wise, it was easy for him to compartmentalize because he liked it all. He liked his job. He likes his family. He likes streaming. He likes networking. So it was like, wow, you've really set up a life where working hard isn't hard for you because you enjoy everything you do. And so there, it, there can be give and take between things or, you know, you're not beating yourself up over, um, the, the process of, oh, I have to spend more time on work today as opposed to whatever. Cause he likes his job, you know, and I, I want to develop my, day to day with that as well. That's why you just need to regularly assess your life and like all aspects of your life and try to figure out what you didn't what time of the day are you happy? What time of the day are you unhappy? Because you want to spend as much time being happy. So continue to, to schedule your day around as much of that as you possibly can. Okay. So we're down to the, so the last, the last topic here, the most uh, recent one, let's talk, about working the system. What, what, what does this mean? Give, give some context to the audience. So, so the context is we talked with uh, um, Stephanie Telly, who we've known for quite a while now, since 2018, right? I, I believe. I think so. Yeah. And um, I feel like she's always had a little bit different approach to us. Like, I, I feel like she's always been much more like business mindset of like, how do I just become successful on this? Like, even if you listen to that episode, I tried to ask her like what fulfills her more. And I feel like she really struggled with that question because I don't know that she approaches it as what's fulfilling. I almost feel like the whole corporate mindset of like, do your nine to five so you can enjoy your life. I almost feel like she looks the same way at content where it's like content is an easy way for me to get something done so that I can just go enjoy my life. I don't necessarily, and this might be a wrong interpretation, but my interpretation was that like, you know, this wasn't so embedded in her that she's just so crazy passionate about the things that she creates. It, it was just like, okay, what little parts of this can I take away from to become successful at this? And that to me is like a business mindset. Um, whereas us, I think we need to balance the business versus I'm just doing things cause I love it. So my takeaway on this one, um, I think it's important to maintain your morals, your standards, your integrity throughout the process of what it is you're, you're creating. So I don't think that you go too far, but I also think you can't be too stingy on paying attention to the tools that you have at your disposal or the, the ways that uh, can help your growth or success. Like I would be lying. 
like I don't want to be, for instance, in the streaming world. There's this, there's a lot of talk about leeching off of people's audiences, right? Like if you if you collaborate with someone, are you collaborating because you respect them, or are you just collaborating because they have a big audience and you think that you can you can leech some of their stuff? One hundred percent. I never want to be in that situation where I'm. Like, I can't stand this fucking person, but God damn, do they have a big audience, and I would love that audience to come over to me. But there is a happy middle ground where it's like, there are people out there who I think I would make great content with, and also, they've got a sick community. And I'm like, I bet their community will like me too. So I bet, th- this is the same thing when I was pursuing music, I reached out to that band Cedar, who I had heard on Cities 97, and I was like, I love their music. And I was like, I bet if we could open for them, like our music is close enough that it would be a fucking awesome show. And they're established. We're not. So of I think the people that like their kind of music would like our kind of music. Like, I just think that's a logical way of approaching the system and seeing how you fit into it. Um, now it didn't end up working out in that, uh, <laughs> that situation. What, what happened with that situation? Nobody showed up oh. until the headliner went. So like we performed to like our like six fans <laughs> and the band. And they were like, you guys are great. You guys are awesome. But it's like, you know, they're not buying our merch. <laughs> so, um, I mean, I'm joking on that part. But <laughs> but yeah, like I, I, I do think that uh, even things we talked about just, you know, I don't know, like, important for the algorithm is like getting likes and comments and, and, sh- and shares on the thing so that YouTube thinks, Oh, people are really interested in this. So maybe if you have a community of people that like really support you and want you, maybe the way you trick the system is like you do advertise this thing. I know that sometimes people feel icky about it and they're like, Oh, I don't want to be just shoving this stuff down their throats, but it's also like, but you also want to be successful. So is the worst thing that you could possibly do telling people, Hey, could you guys please comment and like on this video? Cause it would help other people find it. If they support you, I feel like they're going to be supportive of that process. And that's the working the system that we're talking about. Yeah. You can't have it all. In the very beginning of Brandon and I doing this content creation journey, we talked about social media. And I think about that a lot because I think that that really does illustrate how both of us are. Brandon didn't want to get on social media because when he was promoting things music-wise through social media, he felt a little bit icky about some of it. Mm -hmm. And I, I think just in both of us, I think have felt a little bit icky about social media at times. I definitely still feel this way. I, I not, I don't, I do not love going on social media and seeing everyone posting about life. I do think that people use it in a way that I don't agree with, but at the same time, when we started doing this, we both wanted to be successful with the podcast. Then we wanted to be successful with our other content uh, creations. I think we also learned a little bit from Brandon's music pursuit on some of the things that worked and didn't work on that process. You just can't have it all in life. There's going to have to be some compromises that are made. Maybe you don't love social media, but if it's going to benefit you with promoting yourself and creating your brand, maybe just find a way to do it in a manner that you are okay with. If you don't like how other people are doing it, that's fine. You don't have to do it the way that they do it, but maybe you can post things that you're fine with and you don't have to feel so icky about it. Or sometimes it is a mindset. There's been things where I felt a certain way, but then having a conversation with Brandon or somebody else, I started to look at it differently and realize maybe it really 
isn't such a big deal that every person I do collaborations with is not somebody that I agree with every one of their views. I don't have to agree with them on politics. I don't have to agree with them on all kinds of things. If I like what they're creating, of course, you got to draw a line with some people on some things. You got to stand your ground. You don't want to be too over the top. As you said, you want to keep your morals intact. But at the same time, if you want to be successful in life at anything that you do, you can't do it 100% on your own terms. Nobody has ever done something 100% on their own terms. You still live in a society. The joke, we all live in a society. There are rules. There are certain things that we have to do. And as much as at times you don't like doing them, you might have to do them if you're going to try to be successful at it. So it's how do you how do you keep your integrity and still work within the system that that exists? That to me is this this aspect of working this system, working the system in a manner that works for you so that you can have success within the system. And yeah. I think that that's why it's important to to know yourself and then create based on a system that you would be okay with. Yeah. And I think, you know, when it comes to pursuing all of this stuff, I have felt that to a certain extent, some of this is luck mitigation, meaning, you know, like Bo Burnham wasn't like on the grind when he released those videos on YouTube and they took off, like, and they went viral, you know, like he was just posting videos for like friends and family to see and then they blew up and it gave him the career that he has, you know, like that's not how it's going to work for everybody. And so when it comes to this stuff, again, go back to what are your goals? Like if you don't, if you just want to create for the sake of creating, sure. Don't do any of this, like just create stuff and throw it out there and maybe you'll get lucky. Maybe you will have a Bo Burnham moment where it, that just, catches on and and it pans out. But if you're a person who's like, I'm not going to rely on that luck happening because it's so out of my control. I'm going to at least try to manage some of the variables I can control and put myself in situations where even the luck, it could be more in my favor. Then you have to do some of these things that maybe you're uncomfortable with. And again, I'm not saying you deny your personal integrity like don't use people like that that's a big one obviously don't use people for your success um but there is a a process of like mutual respect or mutual understanding um and i don't really consider it using but like you working together to either create good content together or uh you know help each other meet new people whatever like that's just a collaborative example, but I'm just saying like in a lot of these situations, you know, networking, advertising, marketing, um, paying attention to how the algorithm works, seeing what's trendy. Like there are little pieces that you can pick apart and be like, where is my place in this? How do I look at the trends on TikTok and fit that into something that can get my personal and artistic identity out there to an audience where I can start growing from. And again, I think the big, one of the biggest things in this entire start of content creation for when we started together was the conversation of you can't have everything exactly the way that you want it. And I think that's just life. You have to admit that a little bit and kind of adapt to 
the context of your environment. I wanted to say thank you to anyone who has listened to the this new format of the show so far with uh, the guest episodes. I know that we went... We're, we are doing it different than how this show originally started, but I mm-hmm. think at the end of the day, like a lot of our conversations have always gravitated towards talking about content because that's something that has always been a part of the show is the, the, the things that we've learned from the content creation process. And I'll just say that having the guest, there's a good reason why we've had so much content to talk about in this episode and why it's been so easy to go over this stuff. Like we've learned a lot from each other, but I've been so amazed by how much that we have learned on things that I, I I feel like whenever I think I've got something figured out, then we get a new person on the show who presents something else. And I'm thinking about that and going to bed with a whole new perspective on, on content creation and, and life in general. So it's been, it's been a lot of fun. And uh, every once in a while we'll do this type of an episode where we, we look back on some of this stuff and sort of summarize the last month or two. And mm-hmm. uh, what was this like for you? I, I really enjoyed it. I mean, we like doing the podcast reflections a lot, mm-hmm. like, uh, you know, just looking back on things that we had talked about, um, was always kind of nice because when you're recording an episode, I mean, even today, as we were talking, there were things I was like, Brandon, don't forget to say this. Don't forget to say yeah. this. And that can happen when you're recording. I mean, we're not live live, but we're recording it for us live. And, um, podcast reflections allow you to get that point in that you thought you might wanted to say earlier. But I think it's even more special now because of exactly what you're saying. These new people that are coming in we're we kind of are just trying to pick their brains when they're on the show and we do get our thoughts in and stuff as much as we can during an episode. But it's nice also to just have this conversation of like, yeah, you know, I've been thinking about that a lot about what this person said or about the perception of this and here's how my my take has has differed since a new person brought it up so i i, I really enjoyed it and i do want to thank you guys as well i just a second what he's saying like this is definitely a different format um than what the the podcast started but the themes i think have in a lot of ways remained there you know like we're it's still our friendship at, at the the core and and foundation of the show it's still us on a journey together um and independently um from one another and then content you know content creation the artistry of what we want to do and and i think uh i'm just really happy with feeling like we have a direction you know yeah so sorry no uh, movie critics must go oh, in today's episode <laughs> No! <laughs> the Philippines actually have a button that they can push that knocks over the sign, so that's why they just did that. Yeah, there. they knocked it over because no movie critics must go. I, I mean, I, I get it. One of these days, um, we'll have to do a one v one movie critics must go. We'll have a moderator, Tony. Ooh, Tony. Tony Aaron. finally gets some screen time. <laughs> <laughs> Stay away, Tony. No, this isn't your screen time. It's just us right now. We're talking about in the future. Yeah. Sorry, guys. Uh, if you do like the show, make sure that you follow us on Instagram and Twitter at EMGPod. You can always send us an email, EMGPod at gmail.com. We also have our own individual socials. Mine's at Stephen Russell B. Stephen with the V. Not a PH. And then mine is, uh, ooh, actually, you know what? Mine's kind of tricky. So if you're going to go to YouTube or Twitch, it's flipping gaming. I think on Twitter, my handle is actually Gaming Flippin', 
because flipping gaming was taken. I don't know who the hell had that. So, I mean, I think you can still search flipping gaming and find me, but my handle is technically gaming flipping and, uh, check me out. My only fans also is, uh, Brandon big tit 69. Perfect. Make sure you edit that out, Tony. <laughs> we'll see you guys next time. Take it easy. Oh,